0: This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Before I start, I want to say, Pastor Tom, thank you for trusting me. It means so much to me that I get to share your pulpit. I got to preach last night. I get to preach on Sunday morning. I am honored. Every nice thing he said about me, I'm just going to try to live up to it in this moment. Um, I I talked to Pastor Tom a couple times on the phone this week, and he just said numerous times of how much he loves you guys. Can we honor our senior pastors right now? Come on. Pastor Tom, I hope you're not watching this right now. I hope you're on a beach somewhere. I hope it's warm. I hope you're not going through the cold. I hope you're relaxing. Listen, uh, next Sunday, it's the best Sunday of the entire year. Saturday for New Year's Eve, Sunday morning, it are the two best sermons of the entire year. I know Pastor Tom has an incredible word. You do not want to miss this coming weekend. Amen? Amen. Man, it's gonna be incredible. I am always so inspired, always so moved by what Pastor Tom has to say as we bring in the new year. Before I get started, I wanna honor my beautiful wife, Jessica. Jessica, go ahead and stand. Oh my goodness, I love you so much. In three days, in three days, we're gonna celebrate our wedding anniversary. Come on now. Baby, I love you so much. The wife of my beautiful three children, Layla, Max, and Matthew, they're at home playing with their toys. They came to service last night so they could you know, be a normal kid on Sunday morning. I am so excited to be here. People ask me all the time, Pastor Eric, what is it like being married to a Latina woman? Well, guys, I can tell you, it kind of looks like this video right here. I don't want peace. I want problems always. (laughs) I love my wife so much. You have no idea. I asked her permission to show that video. I'm good, right? She still loves me. Come on now. Tonight we're going to talk about peace. Everyone say peace. Peace. Tonight we're going to talk about peace. We've been in a sermon series called, He Shall Be Called, where we unpack the prophetic names of Jesus Christ found in the book of Isaiah chapter 9. If you're here today for the very first Sunday and you missed all those sermons, I would encourage you to go back. We have an incredible preaching team and they did a phenomenal job. But we're going to jump into it right now in the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, let's get started. The Bible says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. Underline that in your notes. The Bible says that the government will rest upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Underline this part in your notes right now. And his government and its peace will never end he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity the passionate commitment of the Lord of heavens armies will make this happen now church I love that first verse I love verse 6 it says for a child is born to us now this is the glorious prophecy of the birth of our Messiah You see, this was uh, Isaiah saying that our Messiah was going to be a man. Everyone say a man. You see, theoretically, the Messiah could have been an angel. Or theoretically, the Messiah could have been God without any of the humanity. But in reality, I don't think either one of those options would have ever satisfied or even qualified Jesus to be our Messiah and our Savior and our High Priest like Jesus Christ is. And so Jesus chose to come to earth as a baby. Now church, there's nothing weaker, nothing more helpless, nothing more dependent than a child. Now theoretically, the Messiah could have come to earth as a fully grown man, like we saw Adam do in the book of Genesis. But for Jesus to fully, for him to identify fully with humanity and display the true nature of God, which is servanthood, Jesus came to earth as a baby. Today we will be looking at Jesus as our Prince of Peace. Everyone say, Prince Prince of of peace let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Before we get started in this sermon, before we get down, let's ask the Prince of Peace to be a part of this service today. Jesus, we love you. God, I thank you for the opportunity and the responsibility that you have given to me and every single person in this room to be a messenger of hope. Jesus, I pray today that my words would be your words. God, I pray that I would speak with your anointing, with your power, with your conviction, and with your authority today. Jesus, would you touch the hearts and the lives of every man, woman, and child, and teenager that is in this room today? Jesus, I pray that we would experience the Prince of Peace. God, give us shalom in our lives. Jesus, I pray you would take what is broken and you would restore it to wholeness. Jesus, today we give you our lives, we give you our relationship, and God, we give you our world. And we put it in the hands of the Prince of Peace, the God who can heal it all. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said. All God's people said. Amen and amen. All right, let me break down the word peace just a little bit before we dive more into scripture. Peace is a common word in lots of different languages. Now, people can talk about peace and they can use it like the word peace treaty. Or they can use it like it means um, the absence of war. But in the Bible, peace can refer to the absence of conflict and the absence of war, but it really points to something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Everyone say shalom. shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is irene. Everyone said irene. irene. For those of you who don't know, I am Greek. My real name is Heracles William Christophus. I was almost Heracles Armodius Christophus II, but that was too Greek, and my mom would not have it. My dad is 100% Greek, and my mom was Irish, so that's why I have this, you know, I'm light-skinned, you know? But half of the Bible is written in my language, you know what I'm saying, like, the Greeks have that one, I'm so excited. Now the most basic meaning of the word shalom Is complete or whole. In the Bible this word shalom can actually refer to a stone, a stone that is in the perfect shape, a stone that has no cracks and no blemishes. But the word shalom can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. If you think about it for a second, in Bible times in bible times you would have a city and you wouldn't just have an army protecting the city the primary way the city was protected by was a wall everyone say a wall and when rival countries would try and attack other cities and other kingdoms they would look for the places in the wall that had missing bricks or cracks places that did not have shalom now Shalom can also refer to our own lives as well. Shalom refers to something that is complex, made up of lots of different pieces that is in a state of completeness or wholeness. It's like in the Old Testament. Job, he said that his tents were in a state of shalom because he counted all of his animals and none of them were missing, meaning none of them got out and escaped. Now, the core idea Of shalom is that life is complex it's full of moving parts and it's full of relationships and situations and when any of these things begin to break down when any of these things become out of alignment or missing your shalom breaks down it's no longer whole life is no longer whole and it needs to be restored in fact, that's the basic meaning of the word shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or to restore. So you see in scripture, when Solomon, he, he finished the unfinished temple, he brought it to completion. When the last brick was laid, he made Shalom. Like, for instance, in the Old Testament, when they talked about animals. If your animal would damage a neighbor's field, you would bring them shalom by giving them a repayment for their loss. Meaning, you would take what's missing, and you would bring it to wholeness. Now, the, the same goes for our human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, when we would reconcile, when we would heal a broken relationship, it is to bring shalom. Shalom. In Scripture, we see this even deeper, that when two countries were fighting and at war with one another, shalom didn't mean that they would simply just stop fighting. Shalom means they would stop fighting, but they would begin to be working for each other's benefit. This is important to know, that this state of shalom in the Scripture, in the Old Testament specifically, is what the kings were specifically supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom, a prince of peace. And Isaiah said that this prince of peace would bring shalom that would never end. He would make a covenant with his people. He would make a covenant of shalom, a covenant of peace with his people. That our God, our Messiah would make all of the wrongs right and he would heal all that is broken. I don't know about you guys, but we need that in our world today. We need the Prince of Peace. We celebrate Christmas morning that our God, our Savior, our Messiah came to make all things right. And we see this prophecy being fulfilled in Luke chapter 2. We see the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy that Jesus' arrival... Fulfilled the prophecy I love what it says we're gonna read it in Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 16 It says that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep We're gonna pause right here I had the unique benefit When I graduated Valley Forge Christian College, now the University of Valley Forge, I I had one month where I didn't have enough money to live on campus, and I didn't have a full-time job lined up, and I was working part-time at a church, and I had one more month on my contract, and there was a little old man in the church that I served at, and he said, you can live on my sheep farm for free! And, you know, I was a broke college student that had no job. You know, I had a part-time job, but it didn't pay very much money. You know, I was being the real servant of the Lord, working for no money at all. (laughs) And I can remember, I was like, it can't be that hard living on a sheep farm. And I remember as soon as I got into the house, it was a very, very clean house, but there was this specific smell. And I didn't know what it was. And I remember the first time, his name was Gabe. Gabriel asked me to come help him in the field. And I remember this shepherd, he saw one of his sheep. And I, I thought he was just running like a normal sheep does, you know, kind of hopping around like that, you know, everything. He's way far away in the field. And he said, Eric, that sheep has something wrong with its foot. And I've, I was young at the time. I had good I said, I'm looking at the sheep. I see nothing wrong with the foot at all. And he calls out, Benny! across the field, and this sheep, all the other sheep are running towards the woods. This sheep turns around and runs to the shepherd. And I remember this sheep came over, and sure enough, there was a big thorn in the foot of Benny. And I remember, like, all of a sudden, this shepherd went from the loving shepherd to now he went to the doctor. And he said, Eric, I need you to pick up the sheep. And I remember I picked it up, and as soon as I squeezed it, it was like I was picking up, like, a giant, hairy sponge, and all the oil from the sheep's wool got all over my arms. And I remember, you know, Gabe, he fixed his foot and pulled out the thorn and he bandaged, bandaged it up, and the little sheep went hopping along, was completely fine. For the next week, my arms smelled like I would scrub my arms in the shower for the next week. It just smelled like this oil. In scripture specifically, shepherds were smelly people shepherds were outcast shepherds were untrustworthy let's jump in back to the scripture because if I go on a tangent on shepherds we'll never get out of here (laughs) verse number nine suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified but the angel reassured them don't be afraid He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord. Underline that in your notes. Jesus is our Messiah. Jesus is our Lord. He has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Everyone say, pause. I didn't talk about this last night, but I've got more time. And if I go over, I'm just pretending to be Pastor Tom, you know? I'm um, the kids' pastor, services go two hours. You don't know what could happen today. You didn't open presents yet, kids. It's, it's going to be a long day, I'm telling you. I got stuff to say. I haven't preached in eight years, I got a lot to say. If we pause right here and we think about the fulfillment of this prophecy, they're. they're It was very common in Bible times for babies to be wrapped in small strips of cloth. But it never ever would have seen a baby to be laid in a manger. It never would have been something that would have happened. A baby would have never been put in a feeding trough. And this is how we know that this is real. This is how the shepherds knew they could trust our God. They could trust the Messiah. They knew what to look for. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. Underline this part in your notes. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened. Let's go right now. Which the Lord has told us about. So the shepherds, they returned to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was baby Jesus lying in the manger. You see, church, in the New Testament, this was the, this was the announcement. This was the arrival of Irene, the Prince of Peace. Our Savior had arrived. I love this part of scripture, that the angels were announcing the birth of our savior. At that time in the Old Testament, it is exactly what mankind needed. And church, I am here to tell you today, a savior is exactly what our world needs today. (laughs) Church, we don't need another president. We don't need another senator. We don't need another advisor. We don't need another reformer. We don't need another committee. What this world needs is Jesus. You see, the mission of Jesus Christ was to bring peace to the whole world. The mission of Jesus was very clear, church. It was to bring peace to the entire world. We see this in scripture. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see when Jesus gives us his prince, when we receive the prince of peace into our hearts and into our lives, what Jesus is saying is we have eternal peace. Everyone say eternal peace. You see the world when the world gives us peace, it's always temporary. There's this moment where we think we can just stop and take a breath and then something else bad happens. But the peace that Jesus gives is eternal. You're ever let me let me break it down in a different way. At this point in the story, Jesus is no longer a baby wrapped in small strips of cloth, laying in a manger. Jesus is a fully grown man who is doing miracles, who has 12 disciples that is changing the world forever. The four gospels are being written. There is just a move that is happening right now in scripture. And Jesus is preparing his disciples for difficult moments. Everyone say difficult moments. I don't know about you, but... The past couple years, I've experienced difficult moments of my life. And if I didn't receive the peace that Jesus could give to me, I would be out of whack. I had no idea what my life would look like if I didn't have the peace of Jesus Christ in my life. You see, Jesus, what, what I'm trying to say is he was preparing the disciples for the bad situations that would occur. In just a few short weeks, Jesus was going to be arrested. Jesus was going to be beaten. Jesus was going to be killed on the cross. He was going to die on the cross for our sins. And then after Jesus did all that, the disciples were going to face persecution. They were going to be crucified. I'm sorry, they were going to be, yes, some got crucified too. They were going to be persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus was preparing them. He said, receive my peace now. Even if the world is persecuting you, even if you're going through the most difficult moments of your life, if you have my peace, everything is okay. Why? Because we know that earth is not where we're going to live. That our ultimate heaven, our ultimate home is in heaven with our Savior. That we have eternal peace knowing that if we receive the Prince of Peace, we get to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. Let's jump back into the scripture. I want to go back to Luke chapter 2 for a second. And when you go back to Luke 2, you see that the shepherds, I I, want to break this down just a little bit more. Because there are some people in this room that when I read this, you missed it. I I just want to dive back in. The shepherds had a bad reputation. They had this regrettable habit that they would go from around the, the countryside, and they would have sticky fingers. The Bible, you know, it, it talks about different moments where the shepherds would would see things and they would like it, and they would be like, "Mine, this is mine now." You know, like the shepherds, their reputation was so bad they weren't even trusted to give testimony in a court of law. But church today, I'm here to say that the Prince of Peace is for everyone. God's peace is for everyone. Pastor Eric, what are you trying to say? Whether you are rich Or whether you are poor if the world sees you as important or the world sees you as not so important if you are a leader in the world today or you are an outcast in the world today I want to remind you that the first person that Jesus told God sent a whole choir he sent the armies of the Lord to tell the outcasts of the world come to the feet of Jesus be the first ones to worship Jesus what am I trying to say if you are seen in this world As ordinary if you are seen in this world as not so important if you are seen in this world as the outcast then Jesus is for you let's celebrate during this Christmas season let's remember that everyone deserves to hear about the Prince of Peace everyone deserves to hear about the love of Jesus Christ everyone deserves to be taught equally in the world that we live in today, I'm reminded that Jesus sees everyone as important. And the smelly shepherds, the outcasts of the world, if God sent an entire choir to them, how much more does our God love us? Oh my goodness. Let's celebrate the fact that Jesus, our Messiah, he loves everyone. <laughs> Pastor Eric, how does God make peace with us. Let me break it down for you. Point number one in your note says this, peace comes at a price. Now, my family is, my wife is Puerto Rican, 100% Puerto Rican, grew up in Puerto Rico. Her mother-in-law, same thing, 100% Puerto Rican, grew up in Puerto Rico. So our family, we open presents on Christmas Eve. And last night, you know, I was that father that I would be on the ground and my kids were opening presents and I'd be like, whoa, who bought you that? And he, you know, my son Matthew was like, mommy and daddy, you bought it. And I was like, I have not seen that present. You know, and I went back and I looked at my bank statement and for like the whole month, my wife was just swiping her debit card like crazy. You know, just like, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's how much that hoverboard cost, okay. It was so funny, my son Matthew last night, he like, he would open a present and then he's like, let me put this on my pile. And he had like a whole pile of presents and everything. He just, he had such a great, great Christmas. When I think of the word price, I immediately go to money, but scripture shows us something else. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23, it says this. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Everyone say pause. What this means is that when Jesus came to earth, he was fully human, but he was also fully God. Jesus, he left heaven, and even though he came in the form of a tiny human baby, and then he grew up to be a man, and he did all this stuff like we would do, Jesus ate. Jesus used the bathroom. Jesus would have to sleep, but he was also still fully God. He lost none of his lordship, none of his power, and none of his authority when he came to earth. That's what that verse means. Jump back in scripture in verse 20. And the Bible says, and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. Underline this whole sentence right here. He made peace with with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. I want you to circle that part in your notes. Far away from God. You were his enemies. You were separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, but now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are holy and blameless. Everyone say holy. holy. No, come on, say it, like you're, say it with your chest. Say holy. holy. Blameless. blameless. As you stand before him without a single fault. Now underline verse 23. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Do not drift away from the assurance you have received when you heard the good news. Church, what am I trying to say with this scripture? I'm trying to say that the Prince of Peace... The peace that Jesus gives to us, it is not a kumbaya peace. It is not an internal peace. It is understanding that we were once at war with God because of, because of our sin, because of our wrongdoing, our evil doing. We were once at war with God, but because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came to this earth as a baby... He lived a perfect life and then he died on the cross for our sins. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we are holy, we are blameless, we are without fault in the eyes of Jesus. Pastor Eric, how much do I have to pay for this peace? Well, the answer is nothing. You know, sometimes in church we think, you know, we we have this bad connotation with church that to receive salvation, to receive the blessings of God, we have to give money. Jesus is saying it is not about that. Jesus is saying he has paid the price. Jesus has paid it all. The Prince of Peace has given up his life so we could be forgiven, so we could be saved of our sins. I love what the message version of the Bible says. Now, church, as I read the message version, I understand that this is a paraphrase. I would encourage you, as you read the Bible on a regular basis, find a translation of the Bible that you enjoy reading. For me, that's the NLT, that's the ESV. I'll even mix in some NIV every now and again. But the message Bible is a paraphrase. You can Google that what that means later. The Bible says in... 1 Colossians chapter 21, verse 23. You yourselves are a case study of what God does. At one time, you had your backs turned to God. You were thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble at every chance you got. But by now, by giving himself completely on the cross, actually dying for you. Circle that part in your notes. As kids and as teenagers... I know sometimes when we read the Bible, we think that these are just stories. Church, this actually happened. Jesus actually died on the cross for your sins. Jesus came to earth as a baby, the Prince of Peace. He lived a perfect life, and then he died on the cross for your sins. Jesus actually died for you. The Bible says Christ brought you over to God's side, and he put your lives together, whole and holy. Everyone say, whole and holy. In his presence. The Bible says you don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded. You stay steady in that bond of trust. Constantly tuned into the message. Careful not to be distracted or diverted. The Bible says there is no other message. Just this one. You see church. When we receive Jesus, when we receive the Prince of Peace, we become holy and blameless. You see, Jesus took your mess of a life, he took your mess of a sin, and he put your life back together. Why? Because Jesus gives you peace. Jesus gives you wholeness. I I, want to go back to that scripture in Colossians, in the NLT, and it says to stand firm. Everyone say, stand firm. It says plant yourself, stand firm. You have to stand firm in the peace that Jesus gives you. What are we standing firm on? We are standing firm on the word of God. You see, as we raise up the next generation of Jesus Christ, we are not raising up people who are good people. We are raising up people who are Bible-believing, standing firm on God's truth. firm. God is saying you have to stand firm in that peace. You have to believe it. You have to live it. You have to walk it out. Stand firm. We have an incredible next-gen team. We've never had a more talented next-gen team. We've never had a more talented uh, kids pastors, youth pastors, young adult directors, SEU directors. We've never had a more talented church staff, our music team, our media team, our outreach team, our life group team. We have never had a more talented team. But the goal of us as pastors and leaders is to teach the church, stand firm. Why am I trying to say this? When we receive the peace of Jesus Christ, When we receive the Prince of Peace, when we give our lives to Jesus, when we give him our mess, God returns it to our hearts and he makes it whole. He gives us restoration. But God is calling us to stand firm. Why? Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. To steal, to kill, and destroy the plan of God in your life. And the enemy will try to get you distracted, to look to the left or to the right, to be distracted. I'm reminded of this quote by one of my heroes. His name was Steve Rogers. You're like, Pastor Eric, who is that? It was Captain America. <laughs> he said it this way. He said, even if everyone is telling you that something wrong is something right. Everyone say, pause. There's a lot of that happening in the world today. There's a lot of that happening in the world today. The world today, they have so many things that, that, are, that are wrong, and they're telling us that it's right. Like, for instance, in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. He created us wonderfully, beautifully, and fearfully. We are made male and female. Amen? If you're in this room today and you're struggling with that, I I just want to tell you we are not here to condemn you. That we as a church, we are called to love you. And I make a promise as one of the pastors at this church that we will do a better job of loving the world. Because it will not be by the hate or by what we dislike. Even though the Bible disagrees with it, the way that we are going to reach those people who are living in sin is with our love. We're here to walk you through those steps. There's so many things that the word of God will say is wrong and the world is saying is right. And church, this is why it is so important that we worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. That means we have to pray to our heavenly father every single day. And when we pray, prayer is just not talking to God. There's this moment where I'm so bad at it, where I got to close my mouth and I have to listen what God is telling me. And then when I hear from the Lord, I will pick up my Bible and I will test what God has said back according to Scripture to make sure that I am standing firm on the truth. (laughs) Captain America says it this way, even if everyone is telling you that something wrong is something right, even if the whole world is telling you to move, it is your duty, it is your job to plant yourself like a tree, to look them in the eye and say, no, you move. I want this church to be planted on the word of God. I want this church to be rooted in the word of God. I don't want us living religiously. I want us rooted in the word of God. And we're going to take the Prince of Peace. We're going to receive it in our own lives. And we're going to bring peace to the world. Peace comes at a price. Pastor Eric, how do we receive his peace? Peace comes when we separate ourselves from sin. The Bible says in Ephesians... Chapter 2, verses 11 through 16, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant promises that God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. I want you to underline that. We're going to come back to it. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, circle that part, far away from God. But now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Underline verse 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He unified the Jews and the Gentiles into one people when his own body on the cross, when he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commands and regulations. He made peace between the Jews and the Gentiles by creating himself one new people from two groups together as one body. Christ Jesus reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. Look at verse 11. You see, before coming to Jesus, there were this group of people who were Gentiles. They were Christless, they were stateless, they were friendless, they were hopeless, but most importantly, they were a godless people. What what am I trying to say, Pastor Eric? If you look at verse 12, and let me hammer this point home for a second. uh, We read today that they were apart from Christ. If you read it in the King James Version, it says, without Christ Jesus. Church, these are terrible words. They have massive implication on our lives. To be apart from Jesus, to be without Jesus Christ means this. You are without spiritual blessings. God gives blessings upon his children. He gives us the favor of the Lord. But if we are without Christ, we cannot receive the blessings of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? On Christmas morning, my daughter Layla, my son Max and Matthew, they got Christmas presents. Were they good kids all year? Not really. But I'm their father and I love them, so I give them spiritual blessings and physical blessings. These people who are without Jesus, they're without light. They're without guidance. They're without direction. They don't know what to do for their lives. They are without rest. Everyone say rest. Rest. Uh, This is a complicated thing and I didn't talk about it last night but I wanna talk about it today. When Jesus gives us rest, that means we are serving in the Lord. That means we are going to do extra work. Why? Because Jesus was the ultimate example of what servanthood looked like. Many of you, you don't get to be pastors. You work secular jobs. And I know that 80% of you in this room today, you do not feel fulfillment in the job and the work that you do. But Jesus is saying if you would join in ministry, if you would serve at the local church, God wants to give you rest through more work. God is saying you will receive a special fulfillment that there is anointing that is released over your life when you serve the Lord. Now you guys aren't loud there because I said extra work, but it's the truth of God's word. I want you to understand it. You don't have to like it, but I want you to apply it to your life. Number three, these people are without safety. They are without hope. They are without a prophet. They are without a priest. They are without a king. And most importantly, they are without peace. Verse 14, it says it this way. For Christ himself has brought us peace. Church, Jesus is our peace. Jesus simply hasn't made peace with us. He simply hasn't brought peace to us. Church, I'm here today to tell you that Jesus is our peace. Now this next part, I sent my notes to like five or six different people to get their opinion. And Pastor Caleb, I sent him this part and he said, don't share that part. Take it out of your notes. But I liked it so much, I'm going to share it anyways. He liked the last part but not the front part because it's a little fear like the theology of it is a little complicated so stay with me I promise I'll have it make sense. In the temple in Bible times in between the court of Gentiles and the court of women inside the temple there was a physical barrier. The Bible calls it a wall of separation or a wall of hostility. Paul was very clear that when Jesus came to earth, when he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross, Jesus broke that that wall down. you, You see, in the temple, between the court of Gentiles and the court of women, there was this physical barrier. At the time Paul was writing this, he was on house arrest in Rome. He was being falsely accused by the Jewish people of taking a Gentile into the temple past the physical wall of separation, dividing the Jews and the Gentile. Paul made it clear that in Jesus, this wall is gone. Let me reel it in right here for you. The wall of separation or the wall of hostility is gone because the common Lordship of Jesus Christ is greater than any previous division. Let me reel it in one more time. If the Lordship of Jesus Christ is not greater than any difference you have with one another, be it political, racial, economic, language, geographical, anything else, then you have not fully understood what it means to be under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Hold on, hold on. You're not getting it. You're you're missing it. I'm trying to say that if you love Jesus... Yet you hate your brother and you're a racist. You haven't fallen under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I hate to say this in 2022 that we still have to have this conversation. Church, we're a multicultural church. I love that I'm Greek. And I don't look like most of you in this room today. I love that we all speak different languages. I am Greek. I spoke Greek before I ever spoke English. Jesus Christ is saying that we have to forget all that divides us. There are so many ways in which we are different. There are so many ways in which we could easily be divided. And Jesus is saying, stop worrying about everything that divides you and remember who the God is that unifies We can get caught up in our differences so much, we forget about the Jesus that unifies us. Pastor Eric, what does the peace of God provide? The peace of God provides four things. Number one, it's assurance. Everyone say assurance. Assurance. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What does this mean? That means we have been justified by our faith. In scripture, this refers to a legal decree. We see this in Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3. If you're like me and you read your Bible at home, this would be something great to read over the next week while you're at home. But basically over those three chapters, we see that we have been found guilty in the court of God's law. We have been found guilty in God's glory. We have been found guilty in our own consciousness. And this is where Paul, he explained because of what Jesus did by coming to earth as the prince of peace, living a perfect life, dying on the cross, that the righteousness of God is for all who believe. The guilty sentence is now transformed into a sentence of being justified and justified by our faith church what am i trying to say rest assured your sins are forgiven rest assured that you have been set free rest assured that you are vindicated rest assured that you are found blameless because of the sacrifice of the prince of peace pastor eric what does the peace of God provide in my life? Number two, it's reconciliation. Everyone say reconciliation. reconciliation. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 11, not only is this so, but we also boast in a God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The Bible says we have a ceasefire. We were once at war with God, but God is saying to us, We have resolution. We have a positive settlement. We were once at war with God, but now we have peace. Pastor Eric, what does the peace of God provide in my life? Number three says this, no condemnation. I love this one. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Everyone say no condemnation. Romans chapter 8, verse 34, it says it even better. It says, for who then will condemn us? Church, say it out loud. Oh, come on, say it with your chest. Say Why? Because Christ Jesus died for us and raised us to life. And Jesus Christ is sitting at the place of honor at the right hand of the Father. And he is pleading for us. You see, church, we were once guilty of sin. We were once entangled in sin. There are many of you in this room today that you can remember what your life was like before Jesus. There are some of you in this room today that maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe your wife dragged you to church on Christmas Day. Maybe you got invited by a family member. Jesus is telling you that when you receive his peace, there is no more condemnation. That you are set free. You have reconciliation with Jesus, that we were one sentenced to spiritual death, but Jesus comes to give us life. Jesus, we thank you for that life today. We thank you that you are a prince of peace. Pastor Eric, what does the peace of God provide in my life? Number four says this, restoration. I didn't have this one in my notes, and my best friend in the whole wide world, Pastor Sean... He was helping me, and he said, you have to add this point, and so I added it, but when I share this scripture, it's going to be confusing, because most of us don't have to deal with locusts. So I'm going to break it down for you. The Bible says in Joel chapter 2, verse 25, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts, and the young locusts, and the other locusts, and the locusts swarm my great army that I sent among you. What does this mean? That Jesus wants to restore you he will take your mess of a life he will take your sinful life and he will bring it to restoration why we say it every single week that we will be messengers of hope everywhere we go to everyone you meet God is saying he will restore you that as soon as you receive the peace of Jesus Christ in your life God wants you to be a messenger of hope to go into all the world to make a big spiritual impact No, you're not hearing me today. God is saying he wants to use you. Everyone say me. Because we do this sometimes. Sometimes we think that God just wants to use the pastors. God just wants to use the people on the stage. Can we look around this room for a second? We have the largest church auditorium in Broward County. Pastor Max and the leadership team here at Christian Life Center, in the 90s, they knew that our church was going to grow. They knew that the Prince of Peace was real. They knew that God was going to take people who were entrapped in sin who had broken lives, who had sinful lives, but they, when they received the peace of Jesus Christ, when they received their wholeness, when they received their holiness, when they received their justification, God said they would go out to the highways and to the byways. They would be a messenger of hope everywhere we go, to everyone we meet. And church, I want you to look at these empty pews right now. God wants to use you to fill those seats. You're not hearing me today. God wants to use you to fill those seats. And hear my heart. I am not saying I want a big church just to brag to my friends that I get to go to a big church. No. I am saying there are 1.8 million people in Broward County that don't know Jesus. And God is saying receive his peace and go out into the world and make a big spiritual impact for Jesus Christ. I stand on this altar today. And I declare that for Christian Life Center, our best days are not behind us, but they are in front of us. I stand before on the stage today that the Prince of Peace is real. The power of the restoration that God wants to give you is real. The Bible says it this way. It's not in your notes. This one's just free. How do we overcome hard times? How do we overcome temptation? How do we overcome the enemy? The Bible says we do it in two ways. Number one, by the blood of the lamb. By what Jesus did when he sacrificed himself on the cross. But number two, everyone say number two. It's the word of your testimony. It's saying that I was once in sin. I had once turned my back on Jesus Christ. I was once living a life that did not glorify God. But if God saved me, if God saved you, then he can do it for the world. Hear me when I say this. We are a church with a global vision. But Pastor Tom, he says it this way. We are going to shine the love of Jesus brightly in South Florida. And as we shine the love of Jesus brightly in South Florida, the light of Jesus Christ will reach to the entire world. But church, when I look around the room today, and I see empty pews, our work is not yet done. Church, if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this today. God wants you to restore you to a place. He wants you to receive the peace of God in your life, so you can bring peace to the world. I can't wait for the moments and for the years where our church is doing incredible things. I I dream about it, I talk about it, I pray about it all the time. This auditorium seats, we'll say 3,000. We do that twice, that's a church of 6,000 people. Our FLC auditorium for our children, it holds 450 children. We do that twice, that's 900 elementary school students. You add preschool and nursery in there, that's a, a next generation of 1,000 just in our preschool, our nursery, and our elementary. Our, our fellowship hall can seat 250. You do that twice, that's 500. We could easily be a church of a massive number. And I'm so blessed that we are... incredible church we say it all the time that we are a big church in a big city and God is calling us to have a big voice everyone say a big voice that voice is not this pulpit hear me when I say this that voice is not this pulpit that is your voice right now God is calling you to step into that restoration to use your voice to use your story to go into your jobs to go into your families and to share the Prince of Peace That's how our church is going to grow. When we step into that restoration and say, God, use me. Help me to be a messenger of hope. Pastor Eric, how do I get to walk in peace? The way we do it, peace comes into our own lives when we participate in the mission of Jesus Christ. Pastor Eric, what does that mean? Well, Paul, he said this in Ephesians. He instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace. Everyone say unity. Unity. Say unity. unity. Pastor Tom, he says it this way, that out of our unity, God will release a special anointing. You see, when we all participate in the mission of Jesus Christ, when we are unified with one heart and one mind to reach the world who does not know Jesus, Paul says, stay unified in the bond of peace. How do we do that, church? Paul says it this way, this will require humility, patience, bearing together with one another in love we have to become people of peace we have to participate in the mission of Jesus Christ Jesus he reconciled everything on heaven and earth by restoring peace to us through his death and resurrection the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 and 3 therefore I am a prisoner serving the Lord underline this part in your notes I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. We're gonna pause right there in our notes for a second. Church, God is not just speaking to the pastors, God is speaking everyone in this room today. He is talking to you. You have been called by God. You have been called by God. You have been called by God to lead a life worthy of the calling that God has given you to be a messenger of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet you see in scripture in the book of Ephesians if you read chapters 1, 2, and 3 Paul talked about in great detail all that God has done for us it's, 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 It's an incredible three chapters. I would encourage you, go back and read them this week of everything that God has done for us. Everything that God freely did for us by his grace. But now God is calling us to live rightly. But God only asks us to do that after he tells us everything he did for us. You see, verse 1 of Ephesians It says, I beg you to leave a life, to lead a life worthy of your calling. Church, the idea here is clear. We don't walk worthy so that God will love us. We walk because God loves us. We can't be motivated out of this desire to earn merit for God. We are motivated out of gratitude by saying, Jesus, thank thank you for everything you have done for me. Thank you for blessing me. Pastor Eric, how can we participate in the mission of Jesus? We can do this in four ways. Number one, we can walk in peace through humility. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says this, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive other people. Rick Warren, he says it this way. True humility... Is not thinking less of yourself it is thinking of yourself less you see the enemy Satan the father of all lies comes to steal kill and destroy and the enemy he will try and tell you lies that you are not worthy you are not valuable you don't need you don't you're not worthy enough to receive the peace that God wants to give this humble attitude is not thinking less of yourself It's saying, God, I'm going to serve other people. I'm going to love other people. I will be humble. One of my interns, Anna, she's a freshman here at SEU. She calls it quad five. Everyone say quad five. I know, we're cheering for Anna. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's right. Come on, she's going to be a pastor one day. A kids pastor, a youth pastor, a next-gen pastor. She calls it quad five. Raise your hand if you've been in uh, SOD, School of Discipleship. We only have four quads, but we got such a problem in our ministry over this past year where we were, we were just too cocky and we were too prideful and we were just seeing God do incredible things that Anna would have to remind us, hey, quad five, hey, let's be humble. Hey, let's humble ourselves. Yes, God is moving, but it is not Heracles that is doing it. It is the God that lives in Heracles that is doing it, and that's why it's quad five for our ministry. When we see incredible crowds it is not because we did anything it is the jesus that is inside us that is doing the greatness pastor eric how can we participate in jesus's mission number two says this we can walk in peace through gentleness ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 it says be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as christ has forgave you church let me encourage you for a moment Two wrongs don't make a right. Hurt people hurt people. It's okay to forgive. It's okay to forgive. It's okay to forgive. Forgiveness, it doesn't show weakness. It shows strength. You see, when you forgive someone, it shows the maturity of Jesus Christ in your life, and we have to be a people and a church that forgive one another. Church, there will be people in your life that offend you, people in your life that let you down, and Jesus is saying, if the peace of God is real in your life, learn how to say, I forgive you. Pastor Eric, how can I participate in Jesus' mission? I can walk in peace through patience. The bible says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 12, so as God's own chosen people who are holy, everyone say holy, Holy. that means set apart, sanctified for his purpose, God is saying you are sanctified for his purposes, not for your own agenda, not to be a millionaire, but for his purposes, God says that you are well beloved by God himself. And in that truth, you put on a heart of compassion. You put on kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I love how it talks about patience here. It says, patience has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantnesses will come with good temper. Church, I wanna talk about patience in two ways real quick. Number one, be patient with those who are difficult with you be patient with those who hurt your feelings be patient with those who are not running fast enough the second way that I want to remind you to be patient is when you are being a messenger of hope when you are going out and sharing your faith and evangelizing to the world there will be some people that don't receive Jesus the first time you tell them I have a friend of mine My childhood friend growing up, not my best friend right now, because that's Pastor Sean and Pastor Caleb. But Pastor Sean got real upset about that last night. (laughs) My childhood friend, Michael White. I would go over to his school. I would go over to his house after school. And my family was poor. I didn't have nice toys and stuff. He always had the newest Xbox and the newest PlayStation. And I would go over to his house, and he had the nicest parents in the world. But his dad, Jerry did not know Jesus. And for 10 years, every morning and every night before he went to bed and every time he got up, he prayed that his dad would come to church and that he would give his heart to Jesus. And I can remember going over there on a Saturday night and I would see him invite his dad to church and he said, no, you and your mom go, have fun. I'll see you guys when you come home from church. He was the nicest man ever, but he didn't know Jesus. And for 10 straight years, 365 days a year Michael got down on his knees and he prayed a very simple prayer God I want my dad to come to church and I want him to know Jesus 10 years later on a random Sunday morning it was not Christmas Day it was not Easter it was not a special service it was a normal Sunday morning Michael invited his dad to church his dad came to church that Sunday and the pastor gave an altar call Jerry raised his hands he walked down and he gave his heart to the Lord. You see, when we participate in the mission of Jesus Christ, we are patient as we are messengers of hope. There is 1.8 million people in Broward County that don't know Jesus, but we are a church who will be patient. We will not give up. We will continue to bring them the truth. I've got two more points and I'll let you go home and open your presence we can participate in the mission of Jesus when we walk in peace through love Colossians chapter 3 verse 14 says and over all these virtues put on love I want you to circle that in your notes say put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity if you read Colossians chapter 1 the summary of the entire chapter is Love. Love is perfectly what will fulfill God's relationship in our life. The Bible says it this way, the world will know that we are disciples of Jesus Christ in the way that we love one another. Church, we cannot just be Christians who are only known for what we are against. We must known for for the depth of love we have for this world. I don't want to be a church that's known for how good our worship is, for how incredible our kids' facility is, for how good our preaching is, for for how great our graphics look. I want to be a church who's known by the depth of our love, that we love our community, that we love the people around us, that we love our world. If the peace of Jesus is real in our life, we will love like Jesus Christ. Church, I'm closing, I promise. The band keeps playing. I'm going to keep preaching, I promise. I'm closing. You see, the Prince of Peace, he came to bring us wholeness. He came to bring us restoration. He came to do that in our relationships and in our worlds. But church, first we have to receive the peace in our own lives. Our last point says this. The Prince of Peace is the missing piece. Church, let me just say, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, is the missing piece in your life. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus into your heart, or maybe you're in this room today, and you call yourself a Christian but you know that you still have sin in your life, the Bible is very clear it says in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead the Bible says you will be saved now when I read that scripture there was someone in the room that said pastor that's great but you don't know how big my sin is pastor that's great but you don't know how bad my sin is I stand on the stage today and I say Jesus is big enough for your sin his love is big enough to take it all away let me prove it to you in scripture in Romans chapter 10 verse 13 the Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved church what I want you to do right now is I want you to bow your heads and I want you to close your eyes no one talking, no one looking around I just, I want this to be a moment with you and Jesus if you're in this room today and you want to receive the peace that Jesus Christ can bring you want to give him your messy sinful life and you want him to restore it to completeness and wholeness that you will be holy and blameless in his sight whether you're receiving this for the very first time or this is the hundredth time you want to receive his love if you want to receive the peace that Jesus can only give I want you to raise your hand nice and high I promise I won't embarrass you. I promise I won't bring you forward. I just want you to raise your hand nice and high. I see those hands. Come on. God's doing something right now. Come on raise those hands nice and high. Church I want us to all say this prayer out loud all together. Say dear Jesus. Come on say that Give me that. Say dear Jesus. Come into my life. Take all my sin away. Dear Jesus, I repent of my sins. I declare that you are Lord. Come into my life. Help me to live for you. Dear Jesus, I give you my broken life. My sinful life. Make me whole. Give me peace. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said amen Amen and amen. Church, before you go, if you're in this room today and you raise your hand, this is the most important part of the service. I want you to get your phone out right now, and I want you to text decision to the number on the screen. It's 954-320-0009. Our senior pastor, Pastor Tom, he wrote this incredible book that we want to give you for free. I want to send you a video for the next six weeks walking you on your next steps in Jesus Christ. Church, don't miss this moment. I don't want you to receive the peace that Jesus has for you, and then you walk out of these doors and you do nothing with it. Let us partner with you on these next steps. Church, as we stand, can we celebrate all that gave their hearts to the Lord? We're going to sing one more song. We're going to sing to the Prince of Peace, to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening. And remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.